Hello and welcome to the monthly Megabyte CEO Barometer. At Megabyte we track the financial performance, corporate activity and strategic positioning of over 6,000 of the UK's leading technology and digital businesses. Each month our research team analyses dozens of results and corporate transactions in the UK tech sector. As well as delivering extensive company financial and transaction data, our team leverages some 500 CEO relationships to bring our subscribers deep insight into the companies and technology peer groups we track. The aim of this show every month is to summarise the research and data on the Megabyte platform from the last month with a particular focus on the key themes around corporate activity and valuations. Of course, subscribers can get access to all of the underlying research and data on the Megabyte platform and if you think that the research that we provide at Megabyte may be of help to you and you're not yet a subscriber, we'd love to hear from you. The best thing to do is to go to uh, our website at megabyte.com and hit the request uh, trial button and you can now set up an automatic trial of our news analysis service, the Megabyte Newswire, um, and also request a demo of the wider platform. So if that's of use to you, or you think it might be of use to you, we'd love to hear from you. So here's a quick canter through the key takeaways from this month's Megabyte CEO Barometer. Tech share prices were actually pretty solid during April after a really very lacklustre first quarter. And overall, uh, tech share prices on average were up 5% during April. And that was broadly reflected in the US. Um, and overall, tech share prices did outperform a slightly rising market. The exception actually was interestingly the very highly rated uh, um, uh, Bessemer Venture Partners Cloud Index, which I'll talk through uh, during the show. And that was down significantly in April. Um, elsewhere in the public markets, um, trading news was mixed again and we had some positive trading updates, some negative trading updates and overall we're seeing a reversion, what we see as a reversion to the mean of average growth rates trending back to where we've seen them historically, organic growth in sort of 5 to 6%, 7% maybe, uh, compared to the double digits they reached immediately post-Covid. Elsewhere, the Wandisco saga continues, and I'll talk a bit more about that during the show. Obviously gave my candid views on that last month, but I'll, I'll update you on that during the show. In terms of deal flow, uh, deal numbers were down uh, slightly on the month, down 12% to 99 deals in total. Uh, despite strong, stronger share prices, it's still very, very quiet in the capital markets. There was one very small IPO and a, a reasonably meaningful um, uh, raise from uh, Zoo Digital, but overall fundraising in the, in the capital markets is, is tiny compared to what's going on elsewhere. By contrast, private equity, another solid month, uh, seven deals registered, again featuring uh, quite a few management buyouts, which is really, I think, healthy for the medium term of the, uh, the private equity uh, sector. However, there are some clouds appearing on the horizon for the private equity investors. Uh, for a me when you're looking at it from a medium term perspective, and I'll talk about three main ones that I see as we go through the show. Venture capital deal numbers were down again. Uh, we saw 380 million, just under 380 million raised during April. Uh, that was down two thirds on uh, the same period last year. Uh, but broadly, we've seen roughly 300 to 400 million raised each month this year. So it's flat on the, the most recent trends, but still down significantly year on year. Context was the big deal to talk about within that, which I talked about a bit last month, and I'll just update you on this month. Um, last but not least, M&A volumes were decent during the month, 50 deals in total, which is broadly where they've been. But probably the most interesting aspect of that was there were no really big deals to get your teeth into this month. So although M&A deal volumes was, were respectable, um, actually that hides a dearth of, of significant deals for the time being anyway. Looking at the outlook, I think it's, it's a stable, fairly stable pattern at the moment. Uh, we've, got, we've, we've reached a sort of another level, in some cases below last year in, in terms of venture capital in other areas, broadly where we saw last year. And I expect that uh, profile largely to continue for the year, uh, the exception being IPO and um, the public markets, which although there's very little evidence of that happening yet, I do think we're going to see some recovery in deal volumes in the capital markets as we head towards Christmas. So that's it. Let's get on with the show. 
So looking first at what's been going on in the capital markets, as I mentioned in my introduction, uh, there was a decent performance from the UK tech sector share prices during April. Overall, our index of about 150 UK listed tech stocks was up on average 3.7%, or well, the index was up 3.7%, and EV bidar multiples are up a shade to 13.4 uh, times. Interestingly, quite a big difference between software and ICT services during April. Software share prices were up 5% on average, pushing that valuation back above 15 times to 15 and a half times, whereas ICT services value uh, share prices were actually down very slightly, and that um, valuation was down again slightly from 9.6 to 9.4 times current year EV EBITDA. So interesting contrast there. The FTSE 250 for reference was up 2.5% just over in, in April, so tech stocks um, outperforming in the UK at least. Looking at the US, uh, the NASDAQ was up 4%, tech heavy NASDAQ was up 4%, and the valuation there was up slightly to 16.3 times. But as I mentioned previously, the Bessemer Venture Partners Cloud Index was down 9%, which is interesting. It normally performs broadly in line with, with, with the tech sector elsewhere. Candidly, I'm not quite sure what the difference is about there, other than the fact that perhaps interest rate, the interest rate environment is, um, again, looking a bit more hawkish. And so uh, that might affect the higher growth stocks more than the lower growth stocks. I think that may be what it was. Interesting looking at valuations there, the BVP Cloud Index is now trading at an average of 6.2 times current year EV sales, obviously still quite a punchy multiple, and the median is actually lower at five times. So that's really interesting when you think about what we were seeing 18 months ago when a lot of these, uh, the average was up above 20 times. So we've seen a sort of 75% contraction, 60 to 70% 60 to contraction in, in uh, valuations and those very high, highly list, highly valued SaaS stocks in the last 18 months. And I looked down the list of the BVP index, 100 constituents in that index, and only two of them, Viva and Snowflake, are trading at above 10 times. Viva on 10 times, um, Snowflake on 13 times, um, forward-looking EV sales. Super interesting, that, I think, and, and sort of really has implications for what we're seeing and going to see elsewhere else in the sector, I think. Coming back to the UK, talking about deal uh, deal activity, very quiet still, although a few things to talk about. Um, small IPO called Fidel, Fidel, it's a rights management software business, actually based in the US. Um, candidly, I don't really know why businesses like this float in on AIM, I really don't. It's raised 8 million, 30 million valuation, it only generates about 11 million sterling revenue, it's break even, it's not growing that quickly. To be fair, I don't know the business that well, but the profile of it, just I just don't understand why businesses like that are really attracted to AIM. If you're a good US listed uh, based software company in the States, then there's plenty of funding opportunities for you over there would be my view, but you know, maybe that's a little bit unfair. There were also two small follow-on public offerings, a reasonable one from Zoo Digital worth talking about 12 and a half million to fund an acquisition in Asia or part fund an acquisition in Asia. So that's kind of a positive data point, I guess. Elsewhere, CAPE is continuing to march along its public-to-private process. There was a slightly increased offer from Teddy Saggy's uh, investment vehicle, Unique Mind, and so it kind of looks like that's going to happen now, although it's not there yet. And I promised also to mention Wendisco, where I talked um, very uh, clearly and openly about how um, how shocked I was, and we all were at Megabyte, at that um, outcome where um, over 100 million of... Um, of billings, of bookings, were basically made up um, over the last 12 months of Wandisco, apparently um, um, down to one salesman. But as I said previously, you know, we've said in our writing at, at Megabyte, 
the fact that you could, this is a business with 10 million turnover, so it's 10 times its annual turnover being signed in in, uh, in, in, bill, in billings in a year. The fact that there was no oversight on that and no checking is truly shocking. I've, uh, you know, that is one of the worst things I've seen in my 30 years in the tech capital markets. Um, so what's, what's the update? Well, they've confirmed that those bookings were bogus. They have, they've stopped short of saying it was definitely fraud. That, that investigation is ongoing, but it seems pretty certain that's the case, I would say. And big surprise, the FCA is investigating. So it'll be very interesting to see whether, um, whether that gets any traction, whether anyone looks like they're going to do any jail time as a result of this, because it really is shocking. And a lot of people are going to lose a lot of money because it's not clear that Wendisco can actually get out of the situation. It's burning cash fast, or it was. The shares are still suspended. Um, and, it, it, you know, I would say it was, it was a, a, a reasonable chance the company won't return from suspension and will simply go bust. So bad situation continues at Wandisco. On the outlook for capital markets, I'm sticking with my thesis that the, um, that the IPO and foreign public offering market will improve in the second half of the year. Um, you know, there's no evidence of that at all, really, at the moment. But I just think that the, the, nat the nature of these cycles means that um, I think we're going to see a bit more confidence returning in the second half of the year. Meanwhile, I think we're going to see more public to privates. Um, obviously, Cape is one. Uh, we saw a debt uh, uh, being acquired by WaveNet last month or earlier in the year. And I think there will be more. So that's the dynamic I think we can expect as we go through the summer. So that is a quick look at the, um, what's been happening in capital markets. We'll look next at what's been going on in private equity. As I mentioned earlier in the show, um, a really solid month again for private equity transactions with seven deals registered on our database during April, of which five were management buyouts. So again, this predominance of management buyouts, which I always think is quite healthy for the long-term kind of deal profile within private equity because obviously they turn into secondary buyouts or some of them will turn into secondary buyouts as time continues. Um, so five management buyouts, one secondary buyout, one carve-out, four of those deals were in ICT services, three in software. So just looking first at what's been going on in ICT services, um, two deals in IT consulting. This just remains, IT consulting more broadly, just remains such an interesting part of the market right now. We're seeing such a resurgence in the domestic uh, IT consulting market, and uh, that's showing up in PE deals, M&A deals, um, and not so much in VC deals, but there have been a couple. Two to talk about, uh, leading resolutions, management buyout led by um, NVM, about a 40 million deal, we think. This is a broad um, um, engineering consultancy, IT engineering consultancy. And secondly, Hedgehog Lab, a secondary buyout, actually, though a very small deal uh, for an SBO, 13 million, we think, estimated. This is going out of Maven and into BGF. That's around uh, mobile applications, IT services into mobile applications or around mobile applications. Elsewhere in ICT services, Arc Systems, another beach tree deal. We think about 25 million deal value in broad IT managed services. And um, TXO Systems, another management buyout led by Towerbrook. No deal estimate on that because it's quite an unusual business. And so we were reticent to try and triangulate evaluation on that. But it's a six and a half million EBITDA business. So pretty meaty deal. And that's around network asset management services and products. And, um, you know, I think there's quite a lot going on in that reseller space at the moment. Uh, I'll talk a bit more about that when I get on to talk about M&A a bit later. Switching then to think a bit more about what's been going on in software. Uh, three deals to talk about. T-Pro, management by our Irish business, backed by LivingBridge, or now backed by LivingBridge, in healthcare, dictation and workflow management within healthcare. Voicescape, uh, another BGF deal, 18 million, we think 18 million pound management buyout in social housing software. 
and a carve out from Tenzing um, who have developed a, a bit of a specialization in HCM software, another deal for them in that part of the market. Uh, no deal estimate on that one, but it's a 70 people business, so a reasonably meaningful deal. Um, a company called Savile Assessment, it was a buyout, um, carve out from Willis Watson, uh, Towers Watson, psychometric testing software. So HCM again, obviously uh, those of you who listened to the show last month will remember that HCM was a big focus of the software PE world last year, and just generally HCM is a, is a very active part of the market as well. In terms of outlook, I, I think things are fairly stable in private equity at the moment. I think there was a bit of a, I think with hindsight, the mini budget in October did create a little bit of a hiatus of, of activity in um, uh, around kind of November, December, January time. That seems to be coming back quite strongly now. Whether that creates a short term uh, reduction in, in actual deals announced, possibly, but we're going to see a strong end of the year, I think, in private equity. I promised, um, uh, I promised earlier to, to talk about the medium-term outlook for the investor side of the private equity uh, s- uh, sort of equation. I talk obviously mainly about um, deal flow within private equity, but I think there are three things on the horizon for private equity investors themselves. I think it's going to make it a very interesting and to a degree challenging few years for PE, and I think we'll really sort out the wheat from the chaff. It's been a one-way street really for private equity over the last 10 to 15 years since the global financial crisis or since the recovery after the global financial crisis. Zero interest rates or near zero interest rates, um, ever seemingly ever rising valuations and very benign macroeconomic conditions for the most part. There are three things I think that are changing now for PE which is going to cause them some um, heartburn I think over the next few years. First of all is fundraising for PE has got dramatically more difficult in the last 12 months. So The dynamic there was previously, if you think about where most private equity firms get their money from, it's typically large pension funds and similar. Those pension funds have been gradually increasing their allocation of assets to private equity over the last decade um, and also in rising assets under management. So there's been a a real wall of money coming into PE funds and it's been relatively easy. I'm sure my PE listeners will hate me for saying that, but it's been relatively easy to raise money um, over the last decade. Two things are happening now. One, um, allocations to private equity seem to have flattened off. Secondly, assets under management are falling because capital markets are falling. So for the first time for a long time, um, overall allocations of uh, the large pension funds to private equity is dropping in pound note terms. And that's causing real problems for people on the road at the moment. A lot of talk in the private equity industry about that and how to circumnavigate that at the moment. So that's one. Two, I maybe should have mentioned this first, normalising interest rates are having an impact on valuations, particularly at the upper end. Um, So you've got um, uh, you've got deals that were very, that were very, uh, you know, in 2021 and 22 to a degree that were very, and, and before then, frankly, that were very dependent on large amounts of very cheap leverage. And those valuations in the mid-20s and sometimes higher were based to some degree on that access to that very significant amounts of leverage. That's changing now. And I do really wonder what will happen to valuations of some of the big software businesses, Civica, Iris, Access, Carriage and others that are going to be doing deals in the next couple of years. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see whether they're able to achieve the kind of valuations they were achieving a couple of years ago. I'm not convinced they will, to be honest. And thirdly is technology disruption. And this is, you know, the, we talk about chat GPT, but the broader, the broader impact of what I've described as chapter two, of which AI is a massive component, is going to make investment decisions for private equity in the next few years so much more challenging than they've been in the last five or so years where SaaS and cloud have been, it's been all about SaaS and cloud, SaaS and cloud good, on-premise bad, and it's been relatively straightforward, and that's all changing. So you've got 
much more difficult uh, interest rate environment. You've got um, difficult funding, fundraising for private equity firms, and you've got um, a really tricky technology market to understand over the next few years. It is going to be very interesting to see who navigates that well and who doesn't navigate that well. So that's that's a quick canter through what I thought was an interesting just to take a step back from the normal monthly um, monthly chat about deals and, and look at a bit more long term about what might be happening in PE land. And um, there we go. So we will move on next, as we do, to talk about what's been happening in venture capital. So turning um, to what's been going on in venture capital, and it continues to be really quite a challenging market in VC in the VC world. Deal volumes in April were down 20% year on year to 39 transactions, but more significantly, we're still seeing a massive year on year reductions in, uh, in, in, in funds raised. So 380 million raised uh, in the UK tech sector and VC. Uh, in April, that uh, was down two thirds on, on the number, uh, the same month last year. So really big reductions. As I said earlier, though, we are seeing relatively flat numbers uh, month on month. So we've 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 reduced down to a, a level. But actually, I did previously think that that level was going to be broadly where we were in in 2019. It seems like it's going like pre-COVID effectively. It seems like it's going to be um, it's settling at a lower level than that. So uh, about six seven billion was raised. Six and a half billion was raised in 2019 in VC. Um, and on current trajectory, it looks like it's going to be more like four billion this year. So we're still seeing a third lower raised in um, in in this year, roughly probably than was raised in 2019, and something like two thirds lower than the peak of the, uh, of the of the kind of the bubble, the post COVID bubble, which was so much more evident in VC than it was in other parts of the fundraising market. Nevertheless, some very interesting spread of deals um, around the market, and actually very very widely kind of distributed across our different uh, software peer groups, obviously predominantly software deals within, uh, within venture capital. Business and consumer, six deals. CRM, customer experience, four deals. FinTech, three deals. HCM and financial management, four deals. And just a couple of areas to, to pick up on. Um, industrials, uh, a big deal in, in, uh, in that part of the market. InfoGrid, this is a, was a SoftBank Series B, big Series B, 72, billion, 72 million sterling. This is IoT and facilities management. So this is kind of next generation in that kind of construction and facilities management space, which I think, it's, I think is really interesting. Um, in information management, six deals in there. So I've talked about that quite a lot over the last few months. The whole data Data space is just super hot, obviously, at the moment. Within that context, uh, um, which I've talked about extensively on the show in, in the past, and, and last month talked about their deal, which was announced very early in April, 103 million sterling raise, Series E, valuing the business at about 1.5 billion sterling. That's about double what it was uh, valued at two years ago in its Series D round. And I think, looking at the numbers, it's probably around 20 times uh, revenue, that deal. Uh, and you know, when you think about what I talked about earlier about the best of a venture partners, where only the very highest growth, sexiest SaaS stocks like Snowflake are trading at double digit EV sales multiples, it's really impressive that Quantext is seen as such a strong, um, such a strong business that it's being valued at that kind of level. You know, this is not like it was two years ago, where the, um, that those kind of multiples were being chucked around much more widely. Uh, and interesting, that business is now aiming for 100 million of dollars uh, of ARR uh, this year. We'll see whether they get there or not. But either way, it's it's still growing very rapidly at some significant scale now. And I really believe, and I've said this a few times, that uh, Contexer is one of the most interesting uh, software businesses uh, that we've got in the UK at the moment, and I think has real international scale potential. And you can't say that about too many software businesses, uh, especially ones that were only founded a few years ago. Um, so definitely one to watch. 
Um, turning then to another part of the market, which I think has been quite active and was active um, was quite active during March as well. This is in the healthcare software. Six deals in the broad government and healthcare software space, of which five are in health and social care. Um, Timber Health is an 18 was an 18 million Series A raise from Octopus and others. In, in uh, it's got this sort of quite clever digital hearing test solution, which is quite interesting. Caristo Diagnostics, 13 million Series A. BGF and others. That's in AI imaging uh, around cardiovascular illness. So. Again, lots of money. That's another mega trend we're seeing, healthcare post-COVID. Lots and lots of money going on. There always was, frankly, but um, even more so post-COVID going into that health and social care market. So look, VC, VC deal flow down, funds raised massively down, but it kind of feels, it doesn't feel too terrible. I mean, it probably does if you're trying to raise money as a, as a sm small business at the moment, but there's still a, a good number of deals going on. They're just smaller amounts of money, and there are, to be fair, fewer of them. What do I think is going to happen? I, I, I know I've said this before, so and I've been wrong in the sense that I didn't think we were going to see deal uh, values drop much below the 2019 level this year, and they have, and they're currently below that. I, I think it feels fairly benign. I think it feels fairly stable now. I don't see any massive recovery in VC anytime soon, but I do think that we are we've got a reasonably stable uh, a reasonably stable environment at the moment. And you know the fact that Quantex had a great raise and a great valuation does still underline the point that even in a very challenging VC fundraising market, great companies can still raise chunks of money at really good valuations. It's just those kind of businesses are under much more scrutiny and candidly are much fewer and further the, uh, farther between than they were perceived to be a couple of years ago. So that's it on uh, on VC. I'll wrap up with a look at what's been going on in MA MA. So there was an interesting uh, dynamic in the M&A side of the equation during April in the fact that there was actually pretty decent deal flow. 50 deals we registered on our database, as I mentioned earlier, and that was nothing spectacular, broadly flat on what we've seen over the last few months. But what was notable about the numbers was that there was really no significant deals, either in software or ICT services. When I, when I say significant, I mean uh, larger deals. Uh, it was really, the, the M&A activity in April was very much characterized by uh, run rate, um, bolt-on M&A activity that we see month in, month out, which I think is interesting in itself. In ICT services, 24 deals. I think the only thing I would put out there um, is Fulcrum acquiring Viadex for 22.5 million, what we think was 22.5 million. And I think that's symptomatic of quite an interesting bit of consolidation going on in that reseller space, which we haven't really seen historically because... Um, you know that, that that's not an that's not a a part of the market that has either IP or recurring revenue, so that the acquisitions can be um, quite risky from that point of view. But we are now seeing some consolidation going on there. More recently, um, SEC's acquisition of Vocus was a particularly good example of that. In software, 26 deals, so roughly the same number as in ICT services, and just a very broad spread of, of deals across all parts of the market. So do, do I think, looking thinking about the outlook on M&A, do I think that probably heralds a, a dearth of large deals? Not particularly. I think there was just sort of happens to be a month where, um, you know, nothing particularly closed. I think we'll continue to see some more chunky M&A as we go through the year and the run rate. Uh, there's no reason why I, th I don't think the run rate bolt-on M&A, as I mentioned, won't continue. Although there is a slight caveat around some of the debt facilities that facilitate a lot of this M&A may become a little bit more challenging to come by. So we may see a little bit uh, tighter conditions, but overall, I think think fairly benign. So um, wrapping up um, overall then on the on the outlook and some conclusions, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I think overall organic growth rates in the industry continue to revert to their mean, uh, i.e. you know the long-term average, which typically is in the sort of single to high um, single to high mid to high single digit uh, growth rates organically, uh, whereas they were previously at double digits in the post-COVID uh, bump. 
that continues. I think will continue, as I've said previously, for one or two more quarters before we get back to nor the normal. But for the most part, investors seem to be taking that reversion to the mean uh, within their stride. Valuations in the capital markets have settled at around 15 times current year EV EBITDA for software and about 10 times for ICT services, although the ICT services valuations have been under a little bit of pressure. I think those valuations are um, probably on average slightly higher in, uh, in the PE world. Uh, and obviously there's a big range within that, you know, within ICT services, the higher growth. Um, higher recurring revenue businesses still trading up into the mid-teens, whereas um, some of the lower growth uh, businesses maybe but in, in higher single, uh, single digits. So overall, I think a relatively benign evaluation environment. The one caveat I would say to that is just to bring out this point I made earlier about larger uh, PE businesses, PE-backed businesses, particularly in the software sector where valuations were very high and I think were more dependent on uh, cheap, uh, um, high rates of leverage. And I think some of those very larger PE-backed software businesses might struggle to achieve the valuations they achieved at the last round when they come up to the next, their next liquidity event over the next few years. So there we go. That's it for another month. Thank you very much for listening. I look forward to talking to you again in June. And until then, thanks again for listening and take care. Bye-bye.